0: Welcome back, everybody, to Recovering You. I'm your host, Cameron Harrison. I'm joined once again by Chris. How's it going tonight? Hey,
1: everybody. It's going great tonight. Nothing to complain about. No bad days, just bad people. That's what I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, the world's full of a lot of those. Uh, However, the people listening to to this podcast are not on that list.
1: That's right. (laughs) You're all on the nice list.
0: Exactly. It's funny that you bring that up, though. Last week, we, we talked about Spike. And even you just saying that could have like my past self would have triggered me that I would have immediately been like, Oh, I'm one of the bad people in this world. He's (laughs) talking about me. So we actually, we've started getting some comments and uh, I've had a few people reach out to me and just uh, we invited you guys to share some of the lies that Satan or Spike regularly told you in your head. And so I want to share a few of those and and, uh, I have the permission of these people Obviously, I'm not going to disclose their full names, um, but I, I want to share some of those if, if that's all right with you, Chris. How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great way to start.
0: All right. So uh, I got one from a guy named Ryan. He said, uh, one of the most common lies that Satan tells me is it's no use in trying. You're just going to slip up again. Ooh. Man, you, you ever felt that one? Like, why, <laughs> yeah. why, why even yeah, try? Yeah, often. Yep. Another guy, Jason. Uh, you are, uh, you're not good enough. That's probably like the most common, like number one answer, you're not good enough. You're not good enough for God. You're not good enough for love. You're not good enough for a good job. You're not good enough for anything good.
1: Yeah, and that's like the Swiss army knife of lies, right? It's uh, It can, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, it can pop up at the slightest provocation, that, yeah. that feeling, yeah, Ooh, that's a tough one.
0: Yeah, uh, Jason also said, you can't change who you are. You are who Ooh. you
1: are. Yeah, that might that might be even worse.
0: <laughs> what 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 I what I love about this one though is this one. I feel like I can just kick right in the face.
1: Oh I yeah, like tell I me can, why.
0: I can stare this lie in the face and be like, "Uh, wrong. I'm I'm living proof of the fact that you can change who you are." I actually saw a post on Facebook um, from my community that said, um, "Is it true that?" once someone is unfaithful in a relationship that it can never go back to normal. Mm, and good question. I, yeah. And, and I, I wanted to read through his comments cause I, I was really curious cause I was like, okay, hold on. So 99% of them were like, no, absolutely no way it's done. You know, that the, the relationship yeah. is done. If there's been someone unfaithful. And so I decided to comment and basically what I said was, well, you, you can't go back to normal because what existed in normal was the problem. But what you yeah, can do, normal. what you can do is actually move forward. If you're willing to go through the work, if you're willing to get a therapist, if you're willing to do all those steps, remember the, whatever it takes mentality yeah, that we talked yeah. about before, if you're willing to do all this stuff and then you're able to find that forgiveness of if you're the person that messed up, forgiving yourself, and forgiving other people in your past. And if you're the person that was betrayed, um, being able to forgive that person that betrayed you, if you can go through all this, then no, you will not go back to normal, but you will go forward to a better relationship than you've ever had before. And that is what I have kind of discovered uh, with me and my wife.
1: Ooh, I like that. Yeah, when when you are actively engaged in your addiction, normal sucks. <laughs> you don't want to go back you don't want to go back to normal i like that yeah forget normal let's look ahead to better things
0: absolutely uh i got one from jeff here it says my worth is dependent upon my church status
1: Ooh. 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 yeah that's a tough one are you is your job to hold the door or do you yeah what's
0: yeah you, you ever been told to uh you know not take the sacrament or maybe being disfellowshipped or excommunicated. And then all of a sudden Satan comes in, Spike comes in tells you, uh, guess what? Since uh, you're not worthy enough to take the sacrament, since you're not worthy enough to hold this calling or to be a member of your church, you're just not a good person because your value is dependent upon whether you're a good upstanding member of your church.
1: Yeah. And, and for friends from our other faith, uh, the way that it works in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you don't get to apply for positions in the church. There can't be something that you say, oh, I would really want to go be the bishop. I really want to go be this or that. It's it's totally out of your control. So yeah, to, to tie your worth to something that you can't control is is a tough thing to do. It's, it's hard to get around that one. Yeah.
0: And you really, it can come off as a little bit callous, but you really got to kind of develop this sense of, I really don't care what you think of me. I'm doing what's best for me. And when you, when, when you get into a mode of recovery, then you really do start to realize like, hold on, these people's opinion of me don't matter because the only opinion that matters is that of my God.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. Right. And, and I think there's a, there's a few different angles. You can, you can come at these different lies for me, a lot of them tie into the lie of your worth depends on what you can do and not who you are. And that is, that is so um, pervasive in our, in our society. And the truth is what you said. The truth is your worth lies in who you are, not who you are as in, Oh, I'm a tennis player. I'm a lawyer. I'm not, not that kind of who you are, but your spiritual essence, the fact that you are an eternal soul, a child of God, and he wants you to come back. And that's never going to change. Right. And so your worth is, is beyond measure. And it's eternal. It's not about what you can or can't do.
0: Exactly. I love that. Uh, I got one here from Gerald. You are bad because you failed. Now we actually, Ooh. we discussed this, uh, the whole, I am bad. I think in the spike episode.
1: Yeah, we touched on that guilt yeah, versus shame, right? It's
0: not that you are bad because you failed. Your failure was bad. Yes. You, as Chris just said, still have that infinite worth, that that eternal value through Heavenly Father's eyes.
1: Yeah. And that's an important one I feel for people to to zero in on as you're making your way through recovery, because it can it can be a slippery slope. You can you can fail in something that's not related to your values as, as they uh, tie into your addiction, you might uh, have bombed a presentation at work, or you might have um, invited a couple out for a a double date in a long time. You know, haven't been out with your wife in a long time. You want a double date, it's a double date taint, you know? And so these, these unrelated failures can then start to snowball and you think, why am I even trying, you Mm -hmm. know, these good things aren't happening. Well, there's another maybe, one. Right maybe, there. I, maybe I can't succeed at, at my recovery. And so I think that's super important. Hone in on that one of, of the fact that failure does not equal negative worth. It doesn't mean that you are a failure. It means you tried something and it didn't work out. And that's just, uh, that's information for you to take and refine. Um, you know, it's, again, it's not bad to fail. Fail means you're trying.
0: As, as Will Smith likes to say, fail forward.
1: there you go he
0: he likes to say uh fail uh fail early fail often and fail forward
1: and by doing
0: that it invites an uh an atmosphere of progress so i i love that i love that fail forward you said will
1: smith and the only thing that came to mind was welcome to miami so i'm glad (laughs) to pull that out because i had no idea where we were going
0: (laughs) oh that's awesome um, okay. Last one I got here. Last one. The, this from Bruce. Now he sent me quite a bit, but what kind of the underlying message of a lot of the lies that he said um, was your worth is dependent on the affection and intimacy your wife is willing to share with you. Mm, and okay. if, if you're a married man and you haven't experienced this, I, I envy you. I don't know how... <laughs> When 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 you are like, hey, I've uh, gone through all this work, I took you out on a nice date, I bought you a gift and, and you know, you build up these expectations, which is another lie. Yeah. Um, but when you when you've gone through all this and you feel like that chemistry is there and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, so you want to and then you get rejected to not take that hard and personally is so hard to do. And it's such an easy and wide open door for Spike to come in and be like, see, she doesn't actually love you or see, she is holding affection from you in order to get you to behave better. It can be twisted in a million different ways that ties of affection between husband and wife.
1: Yeah. And, and down the road, we'll get into, I think we'll do a deep dive into intimacy one of these days. But I think you hit it right on the head. Um, there's so much tied up into that, so much expectation, not the least of which being, if she's if she's withholding affection from me, she still sees me as broken. She still sees me as who I was, uh, which may or may not be true. But if it is true, again, she's she's healing at her own pace, and you can't you can't buy her forgiveness with a nice date. Um, so that's that's a powerful a powerful one to be able to see.
0: Awesome! Yes, absolutely. I, I love, <laughs> I love, I love all the sh- all the, the thoughts that you shared there. Um, sorry, we had a bit of a technical difficulty, so I'm trying to jump back in here. So I want to I want to get into our, our topic. Don't,
1: don't be shy. Our wives are facetiming each other and killing our broadband, so <laughs> we just had to reboot. So there you're all you all you're all family now you're on the you're on the inside
0: oh man i wasn't gonna say it i <laughs>
1: i know I'll, t- I'll take the flag
0: <laughs> this episode so we we've, we've gone through this uh, this kind of atomic bomb of stepping into recovery the the hardest part you know disclosing everything that's going on and then just the relentless attack from from spike and our own minds and just feeling like there's no hope and so today you you know when 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 you were in junior high or elementary school and people like hey you want to play dodgeball you can be captain you go to the front right and then you start picking out who you want your team to be right
1: yeah i guess i was never a captain so (laughs) rub salt in the wound but continue with your analogy
0: all right next family reunion we're playing dodgeball and you're (laughs) captain chris this is kind of where you're at right now in, in your recovery is now you're standing at the front and you're being told, okay, pick your team. And this is one of those processes that it, it carries a lot of weight because you're, you're looking at everyone in your life and you're wondering who is going to be an effective team member that's going to help me win, right? Because the ultimate goal is winning. You also don't want, you don't want someone that's going to try and do it all for you because then you get nothing out of it. You want people who are going to have great teamwork, great communication. They're not going to judge you if you mess up. Now, short little disclaimer here before I I get your thoughts on this, Chris. Your wife should not be on your team or, or the person you've betrayed should not be the one on your team. They have their own battle, their own journey. They should not be your mentor. They should not be your accountability coach. Let them deal with them. Your team needs to consist of others around you who don't have that same emotional tie to the betrayal that has happened.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I and I would take it one step further just to hit on that final thing that you highlighted is it shouldn't be anybody in in your family or at least in your wife's family, you know, because they're so, so connected and it can it can interfere with. The recovery process for you and the healing process for her, um, in in different ways. So yeah, a team is super important, um, but should not include the person that you've betrayed, you've betrayed, or close relatives or friends of that person.
0: So that that one actually uh, that one stings a little bit because, <laughs> because as as I've said in past episodes, uh, my my wife's dad was someone I spoke to on a regular basis however I I will say this uh that time that he needed to be able to talk to me um he took which was which was which was fantastic it wasn't just that like I had messed up and I started talking to him um, and and her mom even took longer before she would sit down and have a conversation with me before she would you know, give me a hug when, when she would see me there, there needed to be that time and space and healing for her and for him and for everyone in her family, the same as for her. It still did take time before I could start. I started having those conversations with uh, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law.
1: If if those are the people closest to you, um, then go ahead and, you know, use, use what you have at your disposal because something is better than nothing. Um, And, and the ideal state as you as you build that team, you'll start to, it's like any good sports team you have, you know, football, you've got special teams, everybody has a position that they play. So as you start to build out your team, you'll become less and less dependent. Maybe, I don't know if that's the right word. It's the one I'm going to use, um, or connected, um, in a, in a recovery sense to, um, the people closest to the epicenter of your disclosure. Um, and you'll be able to, to rely on and benefit from a more diverse team as you get deeper and and stronger in your recovery.
0: Absolutely. So those first people you're going to pick, like, like Chris just said, uh, they're probably not going to be people that were close to that epicenter of the atomic bomb that you just dropped in their lives. It's, it's going to be people that uh, most likely it's going to start with a therapist or a recovery group and an ecclesiastical leader. Those are probably the three that are most common for people who have disclosed that they've been dealing with an addiction and they're ready to start changing? It almost always goes through a professional first.
1: Yeah, I think I think about the relationship that a quarterback and a head coach have to have. Okay, you know, because you know, the the quarterback and and put yourself. I would put yourself as the quarterback. If you're in in the position where you're on your path to recovery, you're the quarterback, right? You're calling the shots. You're making the decisions on what plays. You're going to yes. run and you have to have a good coach who understands your strengths, understands your weaknesses, um, and you have to have a, a positive relationship. Otherwise, it's just not going to be a winning combination.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like if, if you have an issue, say you, you have a relapse of, of some kind, just like a play that didn't work out out on the field, the coach is going to bring you and say, okay, this play didn't work. Here's how we're going to alter it. They're they're going to be able to see things from a different perspective from you and be able to help you say, okay, they are pushing right every single time. So I want you to, you know, go to the left, find that open pocket. The the play will work now, you know, and tailor things as you go. Cause it's not just going to be like, oh, Hey, now I have a therapist. I've disclosed what's going on. I'm healed. Yay.
1: (laughs) So I, I'm curious though, you know, practical application of this, when you started building your team, what were you looking for? What did you find um, worked out well and something maybe you had to, had to drop and, and, and try something else because you hinted and and kind of talked about in, in previous episodes, how, as you started to share what um, you were going through and what you were trying to achieve. Certain people kind of faded to the background and other people came forward to, to support you. So, so real life, rubber meets the road. What did it look like for you? What was important building your team and what didn't work out so well? And how did you tweak that to, to build a, a successful support
0: team for you? That's an awesome segue in, into, into what we're going to talk about. Thank you. Perfect question. So what I initially was looking for was I just wanted to know that I wasn't alone. And so my, 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 my first team was that team that told me like, Hey, look, we're going through it too. You're, you're not alone. Don't, don't believe the lies that, you know, you're, that you're somehow the only person on this entire planet that has royally screwed up. You can look at your problems and your struggles and say okay there's got to be someone else that's that's going through this that can help me or that has gone through this someone that has walked this mountain that, that knows the path um, there, there was a really cool story shared about this group of guys that climbed Mount Bora in Idaho and you know they they had a guide with them and at certain parts uh, a lot of the guys kept dropping off and you know because it was just it was getting too treacherous too treacherous oh say that five times fast (laughs) Uh,
1: (laughs) I don't think I could do it one time fast yeah
0: (laughs) Uh, but but the 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 key is that at each of these really intense parts that were really difficult they had their guide saying okay this is how you're going to approach this you know don't don't turn your back to the mountain don't um, don't look down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, whatever it might be, you know, you can go this way, you can go that way, but ultimately they're both gonna be a lot harder and could be really dangerous and you could get lost. So this is the way that I know that you can get there. And so we we need to, and what I was trying to do is find those people that could say, you know, uh in true Mandalorian style, this is the way.
1: <laughs> this is the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, well, yeah. so yeah. so what were what were what uh how did that show up though i mean so how did you know that that was the right person
0: so how that showed up was pretty simple uh i, I showed up to a group of um a recovery group called men and and in this group i mean the, the first meeting i basically sat there with my head down i did not want to talk uh, until about three quarters of the way through
1: and and I'm going to jump in here. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because people listening right now need to know that that's okay. You know, as as you're building your team, you don't have to be this guy who shows up with that salesman smile on his face and is, "Hey, I'm here and I'm going to get this done." It's okay if 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 you hang your head for the first one, two, five meetings, as long as you're showing up. Anyway, keep going.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. So about three quarters of the way through that very first meeting, I remember one of the guys in in the group um, locking eyes with me specifically and saying, I've sat where you've sat. I felt what you have felt. I've done what you have done. And I can tell you sitting here that my life has never been better. And so the road ahead of you is hard but it is beautiful and you can make it. And I, re- I remember that's when the emotions really hit me. Like, I'm not alone in this. I, I don't have to go through this. I don't have to climb this mountain by myself. There are 10 other guides sitting in, the, in this room that are all reporting numbers in the hundreds and thousands of days of sobriety. And they all started where I'm sitting right now. And so hope started to blossom in that darkness that I was feeling in that first meeting.
1: So I, I like that. So if, if I could break that down, what I heard was, so as you're, you're there and you're, you're starting to be open to this idea of, of building a team, what felt right? Like, Hey, this is someone I want on my team. It was someone who was real. They talked straight with you, someone who was humble. They weren't being self-righteous or, 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 you know, kind of, touting their own success for their, you know, they weren't throwing their arm out, patting themselves on the back and they were, and they were optimistic, right? They, they said, you can do it. So someone who is real, someone who is humble and someone who was optimistic. Absolutely.
0: And you, I I love what you said there about them being, them being real and not being, not being self-righteous. If you have someone who's always going to tell you that you're doing a great job, that person is not being honest with you. Okay. Yeah. You, you need to have that person that's going to be like, okay, for real though, like you've been relapsing every two to three days. You got to knock that crap off. You're going to hurt your relationship because that's going to be the sobering facts. And you know, they're not saying you're an idiot. They're not saying you're a failure. They're saying this behavior needs to change. That's why therapists are so great. And that's why people in groups who've been there are so great because they're not going to sit there and be like, oh, I'm concerned about my friendship with you. They're going to sit there and say, I'm concerned about your eternal soul. I'm I'm concerned about your outcome through this program. So I'm going to approach it more as a business relationship and say, if these things don't don't get turned around, it's going to get a lot worse. And you're going to go back down that road that was so destructive.
1: And there are people, it sounds like, whose sense of self or sense of self-worth is not tied up in your success or in your recovery. Yeah. You know, they're they're not basing, they're not going to tell you you're doing good so that they can feel like they're doing a good job being on your team.
0: My most productive sessions with my therapist, Cody, were the ones that he called me out on my bullcrap and corrected a false idea that I had in my head about either what I deserved or how I perceived my wife was behaving, you know, all those frustrations be- because of the lies that Spike had put in my head. He was there to sort those out and be like, do you really believe that's true? That that she just is acting this way because of this? Or do you really believe that your job is struggling because everyone in, at your job just doesn't like you? Or could it be that your behaviors are the ones causing these different different perceptions? And it was like, oh, okay, hold on. All right. Well, let's look at this. Yeah. Yeah. It's my fault. I'm being selfish. I, I was looking inwardly and, and that's where, and walking out of there, I had something to actually work on. I didn't just feel like, oh, he said, I'm doing a good job. Right. Oh
1: <laughs> Another sticker it. on my chart.
0: Yep. <laughs> I got a gold star.
1: So, and, and we might want to come back to this later in the episode. Uh, but the question on my mind is as, as I've, kind of gone through this journey um, outside in with you and and with other guys that I've talked to and worked with it seems like as you progress in your recovery your team expands and it's not necessarily a therapist it's not necessarily someone in your group um, but our lives are vacuums right time is a vacuum if we're if we're taking out these bad things and we're not filling them with things that are good we're, we're at risk of, of falling back into our addiction. And so something I've admired about you is you've built, I, I feel like a, a community and, and some people might just see it as, you know, we're just making friends, but whether it's playing pickleball or going out to the movies or doing golf, you you fill your life with good people who may not know, Hey, you know, Cameron had this happen to him and he's in recovery. But you've, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you've been intentional though about finding positive, good activities and, and good people to do those activities with where you're not going to, you're not leaving space in your life to have that addiction get sucked back in and become a part of your routine. Yeah, Would you agree with that? Or what's, what's your take on that?
0: Absolutely. I actually I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um,
1: <laughs> All right, jump so, them. Let's hear it. <laughs>
0: So it's funny that you say that, you know, like your, your team expands and, and, and it's true. It has both effects. You get this expansion of team members. However, you get a narrowing of talent, if that makes Mm. sense. So it's, it's almost like, you know, you hear about these basketball teams and stuff that build their dream team, dream teams. So you have tons of NBA players out there So when you first start in recovery, your team's going to be full of people. Yes. However, as you get deeper and deeper into your recovery, you're going to start to find that there are those, those people that you have better chemistry with, those people that you trust more on the battlefield. And so you might have a lot more people to pick from. However, you're starting to pick the dream team you're starting to pick those people that will be best for your, your ultimate outcome. So I, I love, I love that you brought that up. Cause I, I think that's, that's a really cool thought that like, yes, it expands, but it also narrows drastically.
1: And to and, me, and yeah. to me, that should be a banner. That should be, that should be a huge sign to folks who are listening to say that says I'm recovering who I was because at the beginning You are in survival mode. And so it's your therapist, it's your ecclesiastical, your spiritual leader, and it's anybody else that you can grab a hold of that is going to keep you out of your addiction. And as you make that progress, to your point, it it becomes a dream team because you are recovering who you really are. And as your true self starts to shine through, then it refines and you make those deep connections that replace the desperation of addiction. And, and you were telling me, and I don't know if this is too early, but you were telling me before we started recording about, about that dynamic, that relationship between addiction and sobriety and connection. Do you, do you want to get into that now? Because I think a lot of people think the opposite of addiction is sobriety.
0: Right. The, the opposite of addiction is just abstaining from your poor behaviors.
1: Yeah. Um, sounds, there, sounds, like, sounds miserable. <laughs>
0: just going to, I'm going to hold onto this cliff's edge until eventually yeah. I die.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to bite um, my cheek until there's a hole in it.
0: So I first heard this in a, in a Ted talk, actually. Um, it was, it was an amazing Ted talk. I, I, I don't have it off the top of my head, like referenced of, of how to find it, but uh, by this line, I'm sure you could go find it. Uh, the opposite of addiction is connection. And I've heard it said in a few different ways. But ultimately, that's still the word they all come back to is connection for you, because addiction is an isolating event. Everything about addiction says, you know, hide what you're doing. Be ashamed of what you're doing. Don't tell anyone else about it. They're going to judge you. It tells you to cut yourself off from all those ties that could be beneficial to you. That's how addiction works. So it is you to find a team of people that are willing to say, I know what you're doing. I know what you've gone through and I'm here for you. All of a sudden, not, not only do you not want to isolate from them anymore, it's actually impossible because they're gonna check up on you. They're gonna say, dude, I, why are you keeping secrets from us? I mean, literally we've done what you've done. So there's no reason to hide that from us anymore. So-
1: And, and that's, the, that's the painful irony and the heartbreaking irony for me of addiction. I think there's precious few people who say, you know, I just uh, don't have enough heroin in my system, or I just (laughs) have not been aroused enough lately, or, I, you know, the painful and heartbreaking irony of addiction is that most people start down the path of addiction as when they're seeking a source of relief from not feeling a true sense of connection. You know, it's, whether it's with a parent or with a painful breakup or with unmet expectations in marriage or a loss of a sense of worth at work because you're, you're, your work is not being recognized or valued. I think by and large, my experience has shown that the people who start in, into addictive behaviors and get trapped in addiction started because they were looking for connection that they didn't have, that they, that they weren't experiencing, but they desperately wanted. And, and all that, and all that addiction does is as people listening know, is it just robs you more and more of what you started looking for yeah. a little heavy, little no, heavy. Sorry. No,
0: that was, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that that's something that I do that I, I tend to just kind of be upfront and real with people uh, in trying to find my team. And I'm totally comfortable when I meet someone for the first time after, I, I guess maybe not on the first time, but when I, when I feel a connection with someone that I'm like, hey, look, like th- this could be, this could be a member of my team. I usually slip in there like, oh yeah, I've, I've been a recovering addict. I, I mentor groups now I've done podcasts, like all this stuff. And I, I mention my addiction and the whole reason I do that is because I want to see how they respond. And if that person, you know, basically stops talking to me and they're just like, there's always an excuse to, to not hang out. I don't take that personally because all of a sudden I know, okay, that wasn't a good team member. That's, a, that's Okay. And I'm not mad at them. I don't get resentful. It's just they weren't the right fit for for my team. And my team, my team is probably the most important aspect of what is going to carry me through the rest of this life without going back to my addiction. And so if I don't find value and if I don't find that connection with someone, why waste my time trying to pursue a relationship with someone that does not. Understand or is not willing to invest in what I've been through in my life. It, I don't know. Maybe that comes off as selfish. Maybe I, I didn't word it right.
1: No, I, I like that. If, and if what I'm hearing is you, when you're looking for teammates, look for people who are comfortable with your authentic self. Yes. Um, you know, warts and everything. It's, <laughs> uh, they're they're going to take you as you are. And that's not everybody. And that's okay um depending on how you're wired some some people are are people pleasers and if if someone doesn't want them on their team or doesn't want to be on their team that that cuts deep and and one thing you have to get comfortable with as you're going in recovery is not everybody's going to be a good fit for your team when and you just need to be your authentic self and that includes saying i'm okay that not everybody's going to be on my team because the people who are the people who stick around are going to be high-quality people. They're going to be rock stars. Me. Yeah, who help me actually achieve what I want to achieve in this
0: life. I, I love that. Just be your authentic self. Yeah, and, and that, that team, for, for a lot of you who are out there wondering, as we've been talking about, will evolve, will change. It's funny. So I do another podcast called Ebb and Flow with Eben and Loaves. my best friend. And in the intro, it talks about how there's, there's three friends – three types of friendships in life. Those that last for a moment, those that last for a season and those that last for a lifetime. And with your team going through recovery, it's going to be very similar. There's going to be those that that type of person or a person will come into your recovery and their role in your recovery will be a very momentary thing. It'll be just what you need in that moment in order to progress past that point. Then there's gonna be those like say I so I was in group with some guys for about nine months in Utah. those those guys were a part of my story for a season. It, it was a good chunk of time and they got me they they were the kickstart into my borderline obsession with recovery yeah because their their passion and their journeys and their stories are what lit my fire to turn into what it is today. And then there are those who are, part who are going to be a part of my story for a lifetime and you know my my wife and my children obviously part of that team
1: yeah for sure
0: my my role with my heavenly father my extended family you know like like those well some of my extended family as far as not as far as like the eternal team but as far as the recovery team you know there are those in my family I don't ever talk about addiction recovery with and that's okay and then there are those like like you Chris that whenever we seem to get together we tend to find a quiet little corner. And we end up falling into these deep, amazing conversations, which is why this whole podcast kind of started because <laughs> while all the family was partying at the pool, you and I ended up sitting on the couch, having a conversation about doing this. And it was awesome. And here we are today.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's an important concept, right? Um, and it's, it's rooted in, and I believe eternal truth that there's a season and a time for everything. Yeah, And so don't, don't buy into the lie. Don't let, don't let Satan, don't let spike put that in your head of, if you don't keep your original team, there's something wrong with you. Or if somebody leaves and somebody new comes, then there's something wrong with that. It's, it's the way that life goes. Um, there's, there's a time and a season for everything. And, and if I could just leave one final thought, it would be that. Um, my experience has led me to believe that, that this is true. And that is, that God always wants to give you more. He wants to give you more wisdom. He wants to give you more strength. He wants to give you more blessings. He wants to give you more joy, more responsibility, more happiness, more connection. He wants you to have meaningful connections, whether it lasts for a day or a week or a lifetime. And and the devil always wants to take away um, he wants to take away your connections to people. He wants to take away your sense of self-worth. He wants to take away the happiness that you find in intentional living and in self-sacrifice and humility and, and putting others' needs first and, and believing in yourself. And you're in the middle and you get to choose every day. And every day is a new day. You get to choose who you're going to listen to. Are you going to open your hand and let God fill it? Or are you going to open your hand and let the devil take away the joy that could be yours. And so it's just that, and and you have the power. So keep on this path, surround yourself with people who believe in your ability to succeed, believe in God's ability to put good things in your life and hold on to those people for as long as they're supposed to be in your life. And always hold on to the belief that God is willing to give you more until you recover that full sense of who you are supposed to be.
0: And this is your time to start pondering and thinking and reaching out and figuring out who's going to be on that team. And we might be part of that moment or season of your life. And we would be happy to be on your team. The point I want to emphasize here at the end is just put thought and care and Also a little bit of reckless abandon as far as like falling into your recovery, full faced. Don't, don't, don't dip your toe in the water of recovery (laughs) cannonball into this, find your team and then just start dominating the field.
1: Yeah. And and once you do that, email us, we'd love to share success stories on this podcast. If you've got any questions about building your team, feel free to shoot those our way and we'll, uh, We'll try to address them just like we did with um, uh, lies versus truth uh, on this one. So anyway, keep believing and keep on recovering. Thanks for listening, folks.